Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here with you guys. It's always good to be with Alliance family around the world, and it's good. To, it's even good to be here with you this morning in Wisconsin. So, I'm ha- I'm happy to be here today. Um, you know, when missionaries come, I know that you guys always have expectations, right? There's certain things that you expect missionaries to do, and I just want to let you know that I'm not going to do those this morning. Okay. I know when missionaries come, a lot of times, one of the things is you expect them to come talk about weird food, all right? So I'm not going to talk about that stuff. I'm not going to talk about the bugs that I have to eat or the dried blood or um, that one time that I came to church and there was a stew. You know, sometimes when you see stuff and it just looks kind of funky, something doesn't look right about it. You don't know what's wrong, but something's wrong. There's this soup and this is after church. Um... My wife wouldn't touch it. She just had a better sense than I had. And I was eating it, and there was something wrong about this. And I kept asking what this soup is. And they'd give me some word, and it was some obscure vocab word that I'd never heard before. But I kept eating it slowly. Um, go home. Didn't feel so great. Uh, next day, I bump into this guy. And he wasn't at church. And I was like, hey, man, why, why weren't you at church yesterday? And he said, oh, didn't you know my buffalo gave birth? Didn't you get the, I found out, placenta? Uh, that I gave to the stew yesterday at church. I said, oh boy, I guess I did get that yesterday. (laughs) But I'm not going to talk about that stuff today. Um, You know, or you expect missionaries to come and teach about language, right? How tough the language is. And I could talk about how tough Thai is and how there's a Thai script and it's completely different, you know, than a Romanized alphabet. Or how it's tonal. So, for example, if you say ma, that means come here. If you say ma, that means dog. If you say ma, that means horse, okay? So you can get that. Or just the weird things that you can say in a language that you don't understand. So I remember this one time uh, I was telling this lady, actually a group of people, I was telling them, yeah, there's this noodle shop down the street and the noodles there are really bad. I don't like the food, but I keep going back because I'm building a relationship with the lady. I thought I was saying a good kingdom principle. What I really was saying, you can probably guess where this is going, is there's a noodle shop down the road. The food's terrible, but I've been having an affair with the lady who runs the noodle shop. So I continue to go eating there. So that was a little bit antithetical to um, pushing back darkness. You know, I could talk about other things, snakes, or, you know, that we've had, or going to people where they haven't seen white people before, things like that, but we're going to go more spiritual than that this morning, okay? And we're going to talk about the Bible this morning. Um, It's good to be here with you. I'll introduce myself briefly. This is my family. Uh, They couldn't come here. Um, Let's see. Yeah, okay. So the the scared-looking lady on the back of the motorcycle, because I'm cheap and I make her take motorcycle taxis around places, is my wife, Sarah. Uh, she, was a, she is a nurse, but um, the kid in the middle is my son, Lauren. He's five years old. That chicken actually got killed by a snake, so that's not a really good picture. And then the girl on the left, the, the white girl on the left, is my daughter, Margaret. Um, she is a year and nine months. She was actually born in Thailand. So uh, when we came back to the States three months ago, that was her first time actually being back to the States. Um, we serve in Thailand. All right? This is where we serve. So when we came to Thailand, the first two years we served in Bangkok, which is the capital city of Thailand. It's around 11 million people. Thailand as a whole is about 70 million people. And we served in that little province in red called Sukhonakon. Um, why Thailand? 
Well, I think the biggest reason is, um, one, there's a couple other reasons. One, Thailand's cheap, right? We're actually the, che- I've heard that we are the cheapest missionaries. We cost the, cost the Great Commission Fund the least amount of money, which is kind of cool. So, um, it's really easy to get visas. I, we actually have a missionary visa. I get a visa that's stamped that says Religious Affairs Missionary. So it's easy to get into. But I think the key reason is Thailand is roughly 1% Christian. So we talk about closed access countries a lot, right? These countries that are very hard to get in. You have to sneak into Iraq, uh, North Africa. Thailand actually is less Christian than a lot of those closed access countries, oddly enough. You know, and if you think about 1%, right? Okay, let's say... Let's say you're in Sheboygan, all right? You're not a Christian. You want to hear the good news of Christ. How many people do you think it would take you to go talk to, to hear the good news? Three, five, maybe a bad day, maybe 15 people you have to go talk to, to hear the good news. So Thailand, on an average day, would take you roughly 100 people to bump into to have someone share the good news with you. And that's on average, right? There's some areas that have more Christian. There's some areas that are virtually unreached. And so the province that we were in was more unreached than typical Thailand. What did we do? Um, we worked with two church plants. So we did one church plant in the city. Uh, I use that term loosely. It was more like an aggregation of 70,000 people in one area. And then the other church plant we did is, is a village church plant. And in that village, the village was roughly 40 kilometers away from any, not roughly, it was 40 kilometers away from any other church in the whole area. So uh, we helped establish a church there that was a strategic plant. Um, you know, before we go in, I want to say thank you to you guys before we do anything. Because when I come back and I share this stuff, this is not stuff that I or we as my family or we the missionaries are doing. But really, this is just a report simply of what we as the greater body of the Alliance are doing together as one family. So this is things that when we feel like we go to Thailand, we don't feel like we're going alone, but we feel like all of us are going together. So I want to just say thank you to you guys for your prayers. I know you guys support things like Nightlight. Pray for them. I think that's a great ministry that works alongside of us as well. And thank you for your support of the Great Commission Fund and things like that. Um, Really what we're doing simply in Thailand just fits into a greater picture of the alliance as a whole, right? The alliance is really about the deeper life and the evangelization of the world. And so we're just simply taking part in that. Um, This morning, I want to shift the message a little bit, though. And I don't want to talk just traditionally about us um, and about what we're doing. I want to shift the message and I want to move it towards what does missions look like in your life this morning? How should missions impact your life? What does missional look like? missional living look like for you in your context and how can we be a greater part of missions as a whole together so some of you might be a little bummed out right now because you were probably getting excited you thought the missionary would come and just maybe have like a spear and a snake skin or something like that and then you could just sit back and chill but I'm going to challenge you this morning because I believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and moving and working in here today and I believe that there's some of you this morning that he wants to talk to, that he wants to get a hold of your heart and do something deeper inside of you this morning, okay? So that's where we're going to go. Um, we're going to look at a text this morning. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 12, okay? So if you have your Bibles, if you could open those up, that would be great. 
One thing the Alliance has done recently, so back in the day, Alliance missionaries would come to churches. Every church in the, you know, of the 2,000 churches in the U.S. will get a missionary come through, should get a missionary come through, and they could talk on whatever they wanted, which was somewhat good, but then they would be disconnected. Well, now the Alliance has moved to a thing of harmonized messages. So every single CMA church this year who gets a missionary will hear a sermon off of this text with the theme that's similar. We write our own sermons, but it still keeps us kind of harmonized and unified together. All right, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 12, all right? I'll read for us this morning. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 12. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And the stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Let's pray before we jump in here this morning. Lord, we come to you today and we, we love you. We thank you for this morning, Lord. We just invite you here, Lord God. We pray that your will may be done this morning, Lord God. We pray that you may speak to us, Holy Spirit. We pray that you may be in this room with us this morning, that you may lead us, guide us. Uh, May your word get through to those of us who need to hear it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, what's going on in this passage here this morning? Uh, This passage is addressed to Jewish believers scattered around the empire. And what had really happened here is you had all these people who were ethnically Jewish and had the religious background of, of Judaism, right? but they're stuck in the Roman Empire, so they feel like they're living as foreigners or exiles in the land, right? For us, this is a similar story for missionaries. We lived in Sakonakon, in that province you saw up there. We were the only white family in the whole province, right? My son went to school. He was the only kid who wasn't Thai in the whole school. But more than simply being ethnically different, right, what really put us apart was our ethical background, our moral background was found in Christ, right? The, the way that we viewed the world, the way that we viewed concepts like sin and grace and other issues and concepts like that really seemed to put us at odds with the culture we have a part of. But as we return to the United States, I feel like we start seeing this concept of living like exiles, this concept of being like foreigners, of feeling like this, rise up more and more in the West as well. Concepts like sin and perversion seems to have 
increased. The gap between the rich or poor, larger. Concepts like loving our enemies, turning the other cheek, doing good to those who don't see the same way that we see things. Those seem to have vanished. And I don't even need to talk about the political situation in the U.S. right now, right? I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. I haven't talked to anyone who says, you know, if I really just want to feel warm inside and I want to sleep good before bed, I just turn on the news and then everything just feels good, right? So what does Peter have to say to us today? What does Peter have to say to us to be a people of mission? What does that look like in our context today to be a missional people? Uh, So that's what I want to look at this morning, and we have a few points here that we're going to look at today, all right? I hope you note that I have three points, and they all start with P, so I'm feeling very pastoral this morning. I feel like that deserves something. All right. The first is this. Missional people are what, okay? The first is missional people are a peculiar people, a peculiar people. Jump back to the text with me this morning. Look at some of these concepts here. Verse 4, it says this, As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, right? Verse 5 says you are being set apart, built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, right? Um, In verse 6 and 7, we see the concept of the cornerstone, okay? In verse 9, though, it really hits home where it says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. A big chunk of this passage talks about the cornerstone, and a lot of us understand this concept of a cornerstone, right? So in ancient buildings, okay, the, the key part of a building would be that stone at the corner of the building, right? And that was the foundation for the house. If the cornerstone was kind of off and it wasn't strong, what's going to happen? Your building's going to be crooked, it's not going to look nice, and when a storm comes and something goes wrong, that building's going down, right? Similarly, we see that concept, if we're not based in Christ as our cornerstone, our house is not going to stand. I think the first thing to realize in saying that we're a peculiar people is simply that we're precious to God. I love that in verse 4. It says, you're chosen by God and precious to him. We're peculiar not because we've done a lot of great things or because we really are so talented on our own, but that you're innately loved by God and you're important to him. We're citizens of heaven, right? Our fellow brothers and sisters are not globally based, are, are globally based. They're not based on state lines, on citizenship, on race, on locations, right? But they're based on our brothers and sisters our Christ people, our kingdom people. That's the kingdom that we're a part of. And my question today, as I would ask you, is are you peculiar? Are you peculiar? Are you set apart? Are you different, right? If you know Jesus, you're a special person, but there's that other passage in Scripture that says, if salt loses its saltiness, what good is it but to be thrown out? And I would say this morning, What does your life look like? What do you reflect? What kingdom do you reflect? Do you choose the way of love, of grace, of peace, of humility, of purity? Or do you simply look like the culture you're a part of? Do you look like Western culture, American culture? Or do you look like kingdom culture? Do you look like Sheboygan, Midwest culture? Here's the values that we hold to. Or is this where you find your values. Which kingdom do you align with? 
Because if you align with this, we're probably going to look kind of peculiar in this culture, aren't we? Um, one story about peculiar people, all right? So this is a Thai school up in the northeast, okay? This is in the village that you saw, the village that was, had really no gospel outreach, all right? This school comes up to me. This is a local high school. And the school comes up to me, and they said, hey, you're white. Can you teach English at our school? I said, I don't really know how that qualifies me to teach English at your school, but uh, tell you what, I'll come to your school, and I'll talk to your kids about Jesus, and I'll use some vocab. If that's okay, then I'll do that. The school said, fine. So I would go to this school once a week, teach six classes every Wednesday. We'd read the Bible together in Thai. I taught them Thai worship songs. Uh, we would ha- do devotions together, and I'd teach them a little English. Through this, they would have English. They would say, can you do English camps? So we would have groups come from CMA churches around the U.S., and they would go into schools that had never, that had not one Christian in the whole school. We would come to these schools. We'd put on a camp. We'd start the day. We'd pray for the kids. Imagine, do it. you can't even do this in the States, right? Here we are in a school that not one kid's Christian. We'd start it off with prayer for the whole school, We'd do a worship song in Thai, um, and then we would do classes of English courses, interweaving, teaching English, and the Bible, and concepts about Jesus. When these teams would leave, the schools would come up to me, and they would say, what is wrong with those people who came to our schools? Why would these people spend their money, fly across the ocean, come to a relatively insignificant village and just love on our kids and value them and spend so much time with them and pour into them. Why would they do that? Why? Because the love of Jesus has made us and made them a peculiar people, right? A missional people, a different people. I think I want to make this clear this morning is that the church doesn't need any more bad replicas of Western culture, right? We don't need any more bad replicas of the church trying to look like this, so we do this. What we need is the power of Jesus in our life and to step out in that. That's what we need is the church. So, are you peculiar? Are you peculiar? That's the first concept. All right, number two, second P we have here this morning. Missional people are a people of purpose. A people of purpose, all right? Check out verse 9 with me, okay? So we went through this thing. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. There's the peculiar component, right? But notice there's a connector. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light, right? Verse 11 and 12 says this as well. I urge you as foreigners and exiles, abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans, what? That... Though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. The text clearly states that there's a bridge here, right? Between being a peculiar people and being a people of purpose, right? In church language, we use the term building a bridge a lot, right? Building a bridge. But sometimes we build a bridge and don't do anything with it, don't we? Use this concept. Let's say, um, all right. I just had cheese curds for the first time since I've been in Wisconsin. I've never had those before, all right? 
let's say, here we are in Sheboygan, okay? Let's just say, I know my geography is screwy this morning, okay? But let's say, on the other side of Lake Michigan is San Diego, all right? My hometown. We don't have any cheese curds, okay? And you guys, as a loving community, decide, San Diego needs to have some cheese curds, right? So you spend all this money, all this time, you build a bridge across Lake Michigan to San Diego, okay? Then, after you build the bridge, you're like, look at this bridge. It's really awesome. But you never drive a truck full of cheese curds across that bridge. Does that bridge have any benefit? No, right? And if we're a peculiar people and we're not driving the truck across of the good news of Jesus Christ, then what good are our bridges? Not that good. Are we a people of purpose? I want to ask you, are you stepping out in purpose in your life? Maybe you're like, yes, I'm a peculiar people, but are you shining light? Are you proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ in your community? And are you taking part in the greater work of missions as a whole as well? You know, right now in the Alliance, as he said, we have six million, I think roughly six million members. We're in 80 countries. We're only 130 years old. That's exciting, right? I think over three quarters of the Alliance population is outside of the United States. And we could say, yay, look at us. Good job. But my question is, are we satisfied? Are we done? Are we like, that's great. Look at what we've done. Or are we ready to push back even more darkness around the world? I can speak for us in Thailand. Guys, we need more workers. We absolutely need more workers if we're going to accomplish the goal. We need more missionaries. And I want you to think about yourselves in this church. What is God calling you today? What is God calling you to today? There may be some people in this church, some young people, who are called to missions. And if God's calling you to that, I want to encourage you to step out and go. Maybe God's calling you to be more of a people of prayer, more of a people of giving. I don't know what it is that God's calling you to, but I know that God has a purpose for you. And are we stepping out into that purpose? Or are we just saying, I'm good. Everything's easy and all right. Finally, provision and power. Provision and power. Missional people are a people of provision and power. What does that mean? I'm not talking about financial provision. Yes, I thank you guys for giving to the Great Commission Fund and supporting it. We wouldn't be there. But I'm talking about the power that comes from God when we step out in purpose and in faith. Check out verse 5. All right? Verse 5 says, You also, like living stones, what? Notice it's passive. Are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, right? It's not saying, are building yourselves into a spiritual house, right? Are being built. It's God who's doing the building in your life. Verse 9 talks about this as well because it says that, that you're God's special possession. We're simply his special possession that he's going to do work in. You know, I'd like to talk a mi- take a minute and talk about myself right now. I know when the missionary comes, you're like, missionary, super skilled, super powerful, super holy, yada, 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 right? Guys, I'm not that great. I, language was hard. 
Sometimes you heard my language samples. Sometimes I say some screwy things. I don't always know the right thing to do in ministry. I don't always have the skill set. Sometimes I fall into sin that I'm embarrassed of. Sometimes I step out in ministry and I don't do the right things or say the right things and I don't know where to go to the next step. I'm not completely qualified to do ministry. But what do I have? I have faith that when I step out and try to accomplish the things of God, that God will come and meet me there. And that in spite of myself, God will empower me, enable me to go. I love the Great Commission, right? A lot of us know the Great Commission in Matthew 28. So we get this part, Matthew 28. um, A lot of times we just start in verse... 19, okay? We say Matthew 28, 19. This is the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, right? We got that part of the Great Commission. That's when we think of the Great Commission, we think of that passage. But we forget that it's sandwiched between two things, right? So check this out. Verse 18 says, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, right? So all power has been given to Jesus. Therefore, go. And then what does it close with? And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So the Great Commission is basically, Jesus has every single thing that you'll ever need. Therefore, because he's got everything, go, Oh, and by the way, just in case you forgot, I'm never leaving you. And no matter where you go, no matter what you step out and do, I'm with you even to the end of the age. Now, all of a sudden, this is not a burden, but this is exciting. Now, all of a sudden, this is like, what is God going to do through me as I step out in faith? Um, quick story. So, we're at this church, uh, the city church now, not the village church, okay? Okay. And um, supposed to preach 10 minutes before the service. This lady comes up. And this lady, I'm not being rude. I'm just being honest. She was a little nuts. This lady was a little bit crazy in this church. I don't know what it is, but I feel like whenever you're doing church planning and trying to start something new, God gives you some characters, man. You, you're looking for like, you have the idea of who you want, and you're not always going to get who exactly you're thinking. So uh, this lady comes up to me and says, hey, Pastor there's these kids who want to come to church today. We need to go pick them up. I'm like, uh, okay. Like, who are these kids? Like, we need to go pick up these kids. What's going on here? She's like, yeah, yeah, we need to go pick up these kids. So reluctantly, I say, okay, fine. Let's go get these kids. So me and the nutty lady, we get in the truck, and um, we drive to the edge of town. And we pull up to this this house, kind of lean-to house on the edge of town, and she gets out of the car and leaves me in the car. I'm like, oh my goodness, what are we doing here? Like, are we abducting children? Like, am I going to go to jail? Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, nobody has told me about this stuff. So sure enough, she comes out with two kids. I'm like, do their parents know? Like, do we even like, do we need to check here? What's going on? The kids come in. They're really nice. They're shy. Um, 11 years old and eight years old. So we take them to church. I talk to them a little bit. Uh, After the service, a lady comes up and says, these two kids are ready to accept the Lord. I'm like, are they really ready to accept the Lord? Like, are you just speaking for these kids? And I explain the gospel to them. Uh, we pray with them. 
to accept Christ. And long story short, um, over the next year, we were able to disciple these two kids. And right before we left, uh, we were able to see them baptized. This is them getting baptized in Thailand along with the pastor of that church. Now, why do I share this story this morning? Because there's one common theme in this story in that this story has nothing to do with me, right? I didn't do anything in this story. There was no creative plan I had on how to get these kids into church. I wasn't dynamic and I came to these kids and I, and I wowed them over and they, you know what I mean? All this simply was, was me being ready and God coming through and God doing stuff and God surprising us. And I want to encourage you this morning that a people of mission, when you step out in mission, right? It's not about you. It's about the power that comes from the Lord in your life. That's the exciting thing about doing ministry with the Lord. I want to close with this and just give us a minute to think about these three points today, all right? Which one do you need work on this morning? Which one of these do you feel like the Lord's speaking to you on? Maybe for you it's the peculiar people. Maybe you, you love God, but maybe your life is not peculiar. Maybe you do not look like kingdom values anymore. Maybe you look just like every single person you meet on the street. And if that's you, I would encourage you to talk with the Lord about that. To say, what does it look like for me to be set apart? For me to walk into the deeper life? Maybe for you, you're like, yes, my life is distinct, I'm different, but you're not stepping out in purpose. Is there a purpose that God has called you to that you are not stepping out into? And if that's you, I'd encourage you to think about that this morning. And the final point is this concept of provision and power, right? Provision and power. I think there's two types of people who don't step into the power of the Lord, right? The first is the type of people who are like, God, I'm so scared, I don't know that I can do anything. And they say, I'm not valuable enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not qualified enough, so they don't step out. If that's you this morning, I want to encourage you that God will meet you when you step out. The second type of people who are like, I'm pretty talented, I've got this under control, and we try to do things on our own, and we don't step back and let God take the reins. Are you stepping out in power this morning? So what I'd like to do here is just give us a minute of silence for you to talk to the Lord this morning. I'd like to give us just two minutes just to pray and just to think about these things and say, Lord, what is it that you want me to go deeper in to be a people of mission this morning? So let's pray today. I'm going to give you a minute to just pray uh, before the Lord, and then I'll close this in a few minutes, okay? Lord, we love you. We thank you that for some strange reason, you choose us to partner with you in proclaiming the good news in our communities and throughout the world, Lord. I pray that you just do something powerful here at Southside Alliance, Lord. That you just use this church just to do great things for the kingdom, Lord. May we be a people who know you, who walk with you, and step out and do great things for you, Lord. We give you our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Invite the worship team to come back up now. And uh, 
they told me that you're doing your pledge today to the Great Commission Fund, and I just wanted to say, first off, thank you guys. Thank you for your generosity, and thank you for supporting the Great Commission Fund. You know, it goes to, it's not just us, right? It goes to roughly 700 workers in 60 countries around the world where there's a lot of work to be done. And uh, it's great, but the truth is we need more workers. So I would just encourage us to be faithful. I've single-handedly seen that I think the Alliance, every there's a lot of great groups out there, but the Alliance does great, great work in missions because it's perpetually focused on the proclamation of the gospel and training up the local church then to carry on the good news and maintain the work around the world. So thank you guys uh, for your support. Let's continue to see more fields open, more missionaries sent, and more darkness pushed back around the world. So God bless you guys.